Welcome to the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the future of farming, food, and nutrition. Why are we still using inorganic minerals? Why do nutritionists continue to overfeed nutrients and waste money? How can a mineral management program improve the health of the herd? Here to discuss these questions, among others, about the roles of minerals in animal nutrition are Dr. Richard Murphy, Research Director at the Alltech European Bioscience Center in Dunboyne, Ireland, and Dr. Roger Scaletti, who focuses on the technical sales and support of the Alltech Mineral Management Program. And thank you both for being with us. Um, there may be some confusion and contention around the issue of organic versus inorganic minerals and the effectiveness of one over the other. First, Dr. Murphy, a brief primer, if you would, on the difference between organic versus inorganic. That's a, a great way to start this conversation. I think it's going to be a, a fun conversation over the next while. But uh, when we look at inorganics and organics, effectively when we talk about organic minerals, all we've done is we've taken the mineral source, We've reacted it with an amino acid or a peptide or some other uh, um, organic bonding group, and we basically make that mineral protected. So rather than thinking about an inorganic mineral as being just straight mineral, with the organic mineral, we've actually protected the mineral. Um, and that protection offers us a lot of benefits, um, and particularly in the uh, intestinal tract, it offers us stability. So with changing pH that we would see in the gastrointestinal tract, so for instance, at the start of the intestinal tract, it's neutral. When it gets into the gastric environment or the stomach, it becomes very acidic. Those changes in pH can, can impact on the mineral. So with the organic mineral, what we're doing is we're bonding it to either an amino acid or a peptide or some other organic a, a molecule, and that protects us as it moves through the GI tract and makes it much more stable. Dr. Scaletti, uh, just to be clear, is the use of organic versus inorganic specific to the production method? In other words, um, are organic minerals only for organic farms? Another great question. No, organic minerals would be for any farm. Uh, in, in a typical presentation, I would start off by saying in an organic mineral, I'm not talking about not using pesticides or herbicides. With an organic mineral, I'm talking about uh, carbon and the chemistry of carbon, just like Dr. Murphy uh, mentioned. So in all production settings, organic, natural, conventional, uh, there is no real requirement to use an organic mineral. They're, they're suitable for all different production systems. Okay. For, for either of you, has research proven that an organic mineral is more bioavailable and usable by the animal? Absolutely. Um, I, I think Roger would agree we've got an, you know, an absolute wealth of information now that we've built up over the last 20 years or so showing that the organic minerals are a far superior source of mineral to use um, in, in all diets. Yes, like Dr. Murphy mentioned, um, the bioavailability part, I think, is what gets people's attention initially. But then at the end of the day, the farmer, no matter what species, is looking for a production response. So we would have also research covering production responses uh, that you would see as you change your mineral supplementation from inorganic to organic as well. And, and what is it about organic minerals that makes them more beneficial? Well, for me, uh, my background is in biochemistry, so it's trying to understand how minerals interact, not just in terms of how the animal responds to it, but how those minerals will interact with, with feed uh, and, and materials, for instance. And, and certainly with the organic minerals, You've got benefits beyond just health and just performance in that 
we actually change the way in which we can impact or influence the actual nutrients in the diet. So with the organic minerals, we know we'll have less of an impact on vitamin stability, less of an impact on antioxidant function, even some of the enzymes that are in uh, are part of the, the gastrointestinal um, digestion process. They won't be as impacted uh, by organic minerals as they would by inorganics. And then to follow a little bit with Dr. Murphy's comments, some of the, for example, the enzyme interaction work that we've done in vitro has been done in dairy cows as well, showing that when you're only supplementing with organic minerals, in our case, Bioplex and Cellplex, you have a more effective rumen fermentation. So you're producing more total volatile fatty acids and more butyrate, which is kind of the business of the rumen is to produce those volatile fatty acids. So whether it's a case of the organic minerals enhancing that or leading to accelerated rumen organism replication is one possible pathway. But I think another possible pathway would be you're removing rumen microorganism inhibition when you take out the inorganic minerals. So which trace minerals are key to improving livestock performance? Is there a short list? The short list would be zinc, manganese, copper, cobalt, and selenium, depending where you are in the world or even within a given country, one of those may be more important than another one. In, in North America, probably our most important mineral uh, for supplementation and consideration would be selenium, just based on uh, the background selenium in soil, which is gonna dictate the selenium in forages and grains. So those five would be the main ones. Uh, on, the, on the monogastric animal, we would add iron to that. So we'd have six, basically, uh, minerals we'd be talking about. And we may have touched on this a little bit before, but uh, what is known about the utilization of the minerals by the, by the animal, or animals, I should say? Um, well, minerals themselves are, are used in many different ways. Um, predominantly, when you look at their role in cellular systems, they're essential cofactors for many different enzymes, for instance. Um, so you won't get cellular processes working optimally or, or working efficiently if you don't have the necessary mineral that's required for the enzyme to carry out its function or for the enzyme that's necessary for those biological functions. Um, and they're, they're wide-ranging. Um, so if you look at, at, at um, copper, for instance, it's involved in many different enzymes that are involved in the antioxidant response. Uh, selenium is a particularly important one in terms of its ability to modulate not just antioxidant response, but many other enzymes that are involved in, in many other processes as well. Um, so really they're essential and, and critical for the most basic of, of cellular functions. Are there differences in animal chemistry, uh, species to species, or even within species that cause mineral forms to perform differently? Well, my answer, and, and Richard, this would be more in his wheelhouse, but just be in a ruminant, we have to deal with the rumen, the rumen environment, the rumen microorganisms. Uh, and in other species, you wouldn't have the, the rumen part. You know, in, in equine or in horses, they would have a hindgut fermentation. So just they're a little bit different in terms of how each animal is set up. But um, for the most part, you know, you're seeing the similar benefits from organic minerals across the species. And there is one common factor, I guess, across all species. We touched on this just at the start, is that change in pH along the length of the GI tract. That's one of the most critical uh, um, parameters um, that I think is involved in defining how good or how poor a mineral source is. Um, so if that mineral source isn't able to withstand those constant changes in pH, 
you won't get it to the, the sites of absorption in the intestine. Um, so you really need to look at having a stable mineral molecule. Obviously, organic minerals are the most uh, stable of those, but even within the different types of organic mineral products that are out there, you'll see distinct differences in terms of the, the stabilities of individual products, and that will have an impact on how individual products will function uh, um, in the animal. Why do organic trace minerals mean less inclusion, less waste, and better meat quality? Well, to me, the, the starting point would be you don't need as much mineral to get the job done. And uh, corollary to that, you're getting a more effective job done with organic minerals. I think over the years, uh, in the industry side of things, uh, it's kind of been a race to the top. Uh, one company was using however many ppm or milligrams of a mineral, and the next company added a little more to it, and kind of the old adage, more is better. Well, that's really not the case, and, and we found and, and have, have research to show that you're getting a more effective response with less mineral, probably through a lot of the pathways Dr. Murphy mentioned, but it's not always an apples to apples. You know, zinc oxide at a given parts per million is not going to perform the same as zinc proteinate or, you know, bioplex zinc at a much lower concentration inclusion in the diet. And it's actually of interest on, on, on the regulatory side, and I think Dr. Scaletti will probably agree with this as well. When you look at changes in legislation over the last number of years, and particularly in the EU, we've seen changes in the maximum permissible limits that are allowed in feed. Um, I think the zinc, and this is just back to Roger's mention of, of zinc oxide there, I think the zinc area is, is, is one that we can illustrate that quite nicely. Um, there's a lot of talk in the EU about how zinc oxide, they're going to ban zinc oxide use as a prophylactic and to prevent um, scouring in, in, in piglets and in calves, for instance. And one of the reasons for that, that they've quoted, is that the regulators are concerned about the impact that zinc oxide can have on co-selection for antimicrobial resistance. But when you look at the permissible limits that they have of, of zinc in feed, they make reference to the use of phytase, for instance, as being a way to um, perhaps enhance the um, effectiveness of the zinc source that's uh, um, added to the diet or enhance the background level of zinc that's in the feed. All in all, I think there's a move by the regulators. They actually, the regulators now, if they want to change those limits again, will have to come back and revisit the delineation between inorganic and organic minerals and the differences in terms of the bioavailabilities of those. So I think in the future, we may even see um, regulators like the um, EU body, which would be um, EFSA, the European Food Safety Authority, say, okay, we'll need to examine this in more detail. And certainly the Brazilian authorities have already done that. They've, they've made a clear delineation between the availability of, of inorganic and organic mineral sources. Um, so the uh, uh, more recent documents that have been published by the authorities in Brazil basically delineate clearly between what levels of inorganic you should feed in a diet and what levels of organic you should feed in the diet, and they're distinctly different. As you have observed improvements in, in performance, um, any lessons, any takeaways from that experience that, uh, that have informed what you do going forward? I would say um, more isn't better. I think a lot of people are accustomed to looking at a tag or a ration report, and they're looking for a certain number or level of mineral supplementation. And that's only so useful if you then don't read the ingredient list and see is it coming from oxide, sulfate, organic, proteinate, whatever the case may be. And I think I'm kind of at the, the foundation now that the source of mineral is more important 
than the amount. So again, it's it's making sure it's apples to apples and less doesn't mean less performance. And I think a lot of times, at least in the United States, our industry would be looking for high levels of supplementation and they equate high level with being good or what is essential, and that's not really the case. Uh, just to add to that as well, uh, and, and Dr. Scaletti, I think it's um, important as well that the industry begin, you know, really needs to look at organic minerals and say they're not all the same. So there is a misconception, I think, within the industry that you've got all these different brand names and different types of organic mineral product. And I guess the, the natural inclination is to say, well, it's an organic mineral. One product must be the same as the other. And there are very distinct differences between them. And again, this is back to that concept of how that mineral source interacts or how stable it is as it moves to the GI tract. And, and certainly some of the work that we've seen from um, the team at our European Bioscience Centre in Ireland, uh, we've basically shown there are very distinct differences in terms of the stabilities of different organic trace mineral products. And that can have distinct impacts, not just on the bioavailability, but also in, in terms in, in which those different products will interact with different uh, premix and different feed components. And there are some misperceptions out there about minerals. Uh, what beliefs are most prominent and, and how do you address them? I think the biggest misconception is, is regard size. Um, that's probably the uh, um, biggest um, industry misconception that's there. Um, and that's a historical one. Um, so originally when organic minerals first became available, there were simply complexes between amino acids like um, methine or lysine with, 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 with copper and with zinc. And certainly people thought, well, if you've got a small bonding group, then absorption of it is, is much better or, or delivery of, of it is much easier. And that's not the case. Um, what we've actually seen is that it's the type of bonding group that's used. So the type of amino acid, but particularly when you get into peptide-based technologies like we see with bioplexes, it's the actual amino acid sequence in those peptides. So it's even more fundamental than we would have thought in the past. The configuration and the type of amino acid that's present in a peptide will very significantly influence the stability. So I think the biggest misconception in the industry about organic trace minerals is that size is important. I can absolutely say with certainty size is not an issue. It's the type of bonding group that's used. And more importantly, when you look at peptides, it's the configuration and the sequence of the amino acids that are in the peptide are of more importance. And I would just maybe follow up with that in regards to organic selenium. The battle is typically what is the content of selenomethionine in a selenium yeast product. And Dr. Murphy would have, you know, research showing it's not only an, an effect of how much selenomethionine you have present, is how much of that can be digested and released. So again, just uh, coming back that more isn't always better, especially if what you're supplementing isn't released or isn't available to the animal. Yeah, that, that's, that's actually a great point, Dr. Scaletti, just on the organic selenium side. Uh, and certainly in the EU, we've seen newer forms of, um, again, so-called organic uh, um, selenium sources being produced and available for sale. And these are actually chemically synthesized selenomethionine and selenomethionine derivatives that are distinctly different and have a distinctly different offering than you would see with uh, selenium yeast products such as Cellplex, for instance. Um, and again, it's back to the concept of stability. A free selenomethionine molecule is not necessarily the most stable one when you look at, again, the influences of those processes in the GI tract. So certainly even within organic selenium sources, much, much different uh, uh, um, proposition now with the availability of these newer chemically synthesized molecules. 
Livestock in many parts of the world have been overfed uh, inorganic forms of trace minerals such as copper, manganese, and zinc to offset their inefficient digestibility. The excess ends up in manure, and levels of these trace minerals have gotten so high that it's actually illegal to spread that manure out into fields to support growth of forages or grain. So what happens to all of that excess manure? Are we stuck with it? Um, well, I guess if we can't spread it, we've got to do something with it, and, and it looks like we, we, we could be. I know from some of the newer technologies that are coming out, um, some great startup companies that are basically looking at detoxifying uh, um, heavy metal in soils using uh, microbial-based solutions. So perhaps this is one way in which we can look at remediating those uh, um, uh, heavily contaminated lagoons, if you like. Other options may be stripping-based technologies, so basically looking at removing mineral, and these will be costly, Tom, I would have to say, removing mineral with EDTA-based uh, um, chelation. But certainly something has to be done, and I think organic minerals are, without a doubt, one of the solutions to the problem. Um, you can look at adding less mineral, having less runoff, and then obviously less contamination in those lagoons. Um, so certainly the drive towards reducing environmental contamination uh, will definitely be driven and solved, um, without a doubt, by the use of or increased use of organic minerals over the next couple of years. In some places, uh, regulation is beginning to force the issue. A number of countries around the world have already passed legislation restricting the use of trace minerals because this over-fortification has led to pollution. Do you see this type of legal action as a continuing trend? Yeah, I, I, I guess it will be back to the comment I made earlier about the regulations around zinc, um, zinc usage in feed, but also then uh, the impending ban in the EU on, on zinc oxide as a prophylactic. I think the regulators have will take a, a greater look at the issue, um, and I think they will certainly have to start making decisions on whether they promote organic minerals as a way in which we can reduce this or not. It's not the job of a, a regulator to you know, promote a, a brand of products, uh, but certainly I think when you look at the proposition that organic minerals give in terms of being a solution to the problem, they'll have to certainly start promoting the use of organic minerals as a way in which you can add less, not impact on performance, and have much less of an environmental impact. And I would just say that I think the path forward is going to just depend where you are in the world. I don't know that the United States is looking at any of these zinc or manganese copper regulations um, anytime soon. Our only regulations in terms of trace minerals would be selenium and the mineral we haven't talked about today, iodine. So if you're using iodine in the EDDI form, there are limits in how much you're allowed to feed. Other than that, selenium would be our only regulated mineral and you know, today you know, we could go out and supplement as much zinc as we want to any animal in the United States without a problem. Are you seeing growth in the organic minerals market? We're seeing tremendous growth, uh, both globally and, and regionally, North America. Uh, I think as the people realize, again, it's not an apples to apples or you're not just looking at a level of mineral, you need to pay attention to the form that people are, you know, realizing that organic minerals have a good role. I also think we're kind of getting a little bit closer on the cost difference. Um, inorganic minerals are still cheaper, but their price keeps going up. 
So I don't know that cost is as prohibitive as it used to be from a practical farm level. Uh, that was probably the only, that's probably the only reason people aren't using organic minerals as their only source. It's a cost thing. Now, when you start looking at the response and the return over investment opportunity, well, it's not a cost, it's a, it's a profit maker. So I think it's just a slow change. Uh, when you look at trace minerals, you know, for 60, 70 years, we've used inorganic minerals. For the past 20, we've used organic. So it's still pretty new in terms of what's going on in the general um, supplementation industry. And when you look at some of the different documents out there, for example, National Research Council or NRC guidelines, they really don't get into a discussion much of form. As Dr. Murphy mentioned, the Brazilian government down there recognized that there are form differences and some other countries around the world are starting to do so. But I think still we're left to feed companies, nutritionists, and ultimately the farmer or end user to make a decision of, do I want to make an investment? If so, how much? And that's kind of where the decision is at today. As you continue working toward better performance in animals, are you exploring new ideas for delivering nutrition more efficiently? Is that just an ongoing process? Yeah, it's a, it's it's an ongoing evolution, if you like. Um, I think we have certainly we've mo moved over the last number of years more towards rather than thinking about nutrition as just being an individual component, we've really focused more on the benefits of of multi component packs. Um, and certainly, there are a lot of different synergies you can get from different products being present uh, in a pack. Uh, and in many ways, you can get, uh, I guess, good synergism between those components. Um, and certainly with, with some of the blueprint products that we have in, in, in Alltech, we've seen um, tremendous increases in, in, in health or performance. And again, these are multi-component impacts. So rather than thinking about nutrition as being, you know, individual components added together, we tend to think about the synergism that we can get from, from multiple components added. And that's something that we'll focus on more and more over the next couple of years. This has been really enjoyable. I have one final question. What new developments in minerals or mineral feeding strategies uh, do you think we might see within the next five years or so? I don't know if uh, I see a really new development as much as just people embracing organic minerals more than they currently do. I'd say currently the, the most of the industry would be at some sort of a partial supplementation where the bulk of the mineral that's being supplemented is inorganic sulfate or oxide, and then they try to come up with how much organic to put in. They want to get all the benefits of organic, but they don't want all the price. So I, just, I see more of the bigger advancement as people just progressing through that decision in their head of partial replacement to more of the full replacement or total replacement and realizing the organic minerals are what's doing the heavy lifting and there really isn't a big need for those inorganic minerals that they just for maybe it's just historical purposes they just can't seem to kick out of their ration do you see something in the in the near future dr murphy um i would i'd agree with with, with dr scaletti and that um certainly we're going to see increased awareness and the benefits of organic minerals and how you can use less of those organic minerals um, and not have a, a negative impact on health and performance. That is obviously is going to feed into um, an environmental um, benefit. I think we'll also see changes perhaps in uh, the way in which we apply these minerals. Um, I think people are, are looking more and more towards 
um, technology um, as a driver of agriculture. And I think we'll see differences in the next few years in, in the way in which feed delivery is made um, and the way in which um, you can actually begin to look at delivering feed on farms. So I, I do think we'll see more and more digital-based technologies that will influence feeding strategies and then that will obviously influence how we formulate feed. Dr. Richard Murphy, Research Director at the Alltech European Bioscience Centre in Dunboyne, Ireland, and Dr. Roger Scaletti, who focuses on the technical sales and support of the Alltech Mineral Management Program. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. For show notes and more episodes, visit alltech.com forward slash agfuture. future.